Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Scattered Abroad Joint Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today for another opportunity to study God's Word about our theme this year, which is Scattering the Seed. And we'll talk about our episode in just a moment, but I'm your host, Michael Clark, and today we've got a great group of guests with us from the network that are going to be discussing us as we're in our ninth episode now on this new season for 2022. We ask that you don't forget about our social media. You can find all of that information down in the show notes, as well as it would help us greatly if you could leave us a rating and a review. That gives us the opportunity to reach more people and to spread the gospel as far and wide as we possibly can. If you have any questions or concerns, you can always email us at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com, as well as checking out our website and signing up for our email list at scatteredabroad.org. Today we're talking about scattering the seed despite opposition, and so we bring in our panelists here that are with us from the network, Drew Suttles, Daniel Webster, and Chase Green. Uh, These guys do great work for us here on the Scatter the Broad Network. We're glad that y'all are with us today to discuss this topic. And I think a lot of our lives have been with the understanding of opposition. You know, if you grew up and played any type of sport, you understand what an opponent is. It doesn't mean that you are absolutely trying to destroy those people that you're playing against, but you seek to, well, you know, (laughs) destroy them from a points perspective, (laughs) but you seek to beat them at the game that you're playing, you know, and if you are a competitive person, anything can be a competition. You know, I I like to tease Drew a lot about certain things and and make it a competition for no reason, you know, just to do it because Mm -hmm. it's fun. So (laughs) if you're someone who's competitive, you know what opposition is. Opposition can be good. It can be bad. Mm -hmm. You know, I I like the idea of the iron sharpening iron, you know, and we we hear all the time in the sporting world, this is the matchup you want, you've been waiting all year to see because these two are the best at what, you know, what they're doing. And these quarterbacks are going to put on a show and all these kinds of things. And you look forward to having something that is opposition based. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about opposition for what we're discussing today, we're not talking about something that is really you know, a pleasant opposition. We're discussing somebody is in front of you trying to keep you from scattering the seed and spreading the gospel. And it has eternal consequences. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I said this once to someone who was a big sports fan. I'm a big football guy, but they're a big football fan too. I said, you know, one of our members died last week. I said, do they know who won the Super Bowl last night? Hmm. And they said, what do you mean? I said, do they know who won the Super Bowl? Do they know the Eagles beat the Patriots? And they said, no, they don't. And I said, so does it really matter then? Right. As much as I love football and as much as we love sports, and we can talk about baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever, you know, disc golf if we want to. Amen. As much Amen. as we can talk about any of that. I threw that in just for Daniel. Appreciate as it. much as we could talk about all of that, when I die, it ceases to matter. Right. And like you said, these, these are eternal consequences. The opposition that we face, it's not just a, oh, well, we'll go get them next year. It's not just a, well, we were up 3-1, we lost 4-3 in the series, now we can come back next year and try to do it again. It's not that. It's a different mindset. And so it becomes more important to really understand that despite opposition, we still have a responsibility. And so this first question that we have is thinking about the first century church. But I'd also like to even go back to the Old Testament with this, Mm -hmm. like we've kind of done throughout the episodes I've hosted. What oppositions did the first century face compared to our oppositions today? Well, when you think about this question, you might say, can we really even make a fair comparison? Mm-hmm. Uh, with us in this country, in this climate, do we really face anything close to what they faced? I right. mean, we talk about, you know, take up your cross and, and follow Jesus, Luke 9, 23, 1 Peter three fifteen, be ready to give an answer. 
look at the context of what was actually going on. Yeah. They were literally going to be put to death if they said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We make that statement, and we should make that statement, but they had a sword to their throat when they said it. Yeah, they had men like Nero and Caligula right. and Diocletian to deal, to deal with. Mm-hmm. That's nothing compared to what we're dealing with currently. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, and you, you go back to the Old Testament. Last episode, we talked about uh, enemies when I was hosting, mm-hmm. and we kind of zeroed in on David. We could zero in on David again, but instead of doing that, let's talk about Daniel. You know, let's yeah. let's talk about Daniel, not you. Sounds let's good. talk about the no. Daniel that matters and is important. Um, no, um, so that's for that comment you made the last there time episode we were on together. Um, for those of you that don't know, go back and watch those episodes, and you'll find out. Right. Um, shameless plug. But right, right. when we look at Daniel, the very first time we read about Daniel is he him being taken to Babylon. Mm-hmm. And the Bible doesn't give us an exact age. Many have estimated that he was maybe around 18 years old when this happened. And he spent decades in Babylon. And the very first thing that we find, you know, Daniel involved in and dealing with is opposition immediately. You need to eat this way. Right. You need to have the king's diet. And Daniel has an opportunity to just say, you know what, Um, I'm in captivity. God is... Um, apparently not with us right now. I need to just go ahead and kind of cave and allow these individuals to tell me what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, I guess. But Daniel does something that's really kind of strange. When you go down in Daniel chapter 1 and you begin in verse 8, he'd purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself. I think the very first thing on you know how we deal with opposition is that purposing in our heart. Right. Right. Is saying, I'm going to determine to not let this get at me. And I think a lot about baseball. I've got mm-hmm. Drew on here, so I'll talk to Drew a little bit about this. Drew, talk about how difficult it is when a pitcher gives up a home run on the very first pitch. Oh, man. How do you shake that? Yes. you got to have a short memory. We say that in baseball. Yeah. So what next pitch yeah. is one of the things I tell my ball players, But, man, it's in the back of your mind the whole time. And then the next outing even, if you're not careful. Um, man, yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. And at, at the time that we we're all here discussing this, you know, the – the Red Sox had a pitcher come in a couple nights ago, and he blew it. I mean, yeah. it was he, he threw 10 pitches, and like two people scored. Yeah. And he was pulled immediately. It was, mm-hmm. all right, that's enough. He couldn't shake it. The opposition that was in front of him, he couldn't shake past it. And every now and then the pitcher's just told, it's not your night. Go sit down. That's you're you're mm-hmm. going to hurt the team if you keep going. And you're already kind of hurting the team, so we're going to go ahead and just kind of stop this now. Yeah. Daniel said, I don't care what's in front of me. I'm not going to succumb to this opposition. Right. And so he goes and – is able to tell one of the eunuchs that he's been brought into favor with, I fear my lord the king. He's saying to Daniel, I'm worried that if we don't have you guys in this diet, that I'm going to deal with the consequences mm-hmm. of that. And you're going to endanger my head before the king. And so Daniel says to him in verse 12, why don't we test the servants for 10 days? You know, here's the opposition. Your your life is on the line. Can you give me 10 days? Now, if I asked either one of y'all that are on the program with me today, could you give me 10 days that you might die? Could you think you could go ask the king for 10 days so that we could do a test? <laughs> that's not a small ask. You know, that's right. not just Daniel saying, hey, man, you know it would be really cool. You know it would be fun. Why don't you go ask the king for 10 days? Mm-hmm. I know your head's on the line, but ask the king for 10 days, and we'll <laughs> see what that. happens. Right. Instead, the, the Daniel says, why don't we have this competition, essentially, see who looks better at the end of 10 days, and the unit goes and does that. And what's found out about the end of that time is the Lord's diet worked better. Right. And the Lord's diet, when, here's the thing that I wanted to point out about opposition between then and today, 
the Lord's diet was then implemented in Babylon. Yeah. I don't think we point that part out as much as we maybe should. The Lord's diet became a part of the Babylonian diet. Mm-hmm. And there is God's influence among the people because Daniel determined that he would not suffer the consequences of opposition. He says, I don't have to do that. Right. Today, we don't necessarily think about it. You know, you mentioned first century church versus today is very differently. You know, we're, we're not in danger of walking out of this building today and being arrested, mm-hmm. you know, for being Christians. That was mm-hmm. their fear. Yeah. We're not in danger of being whipped and beaten and thrown in prison and killed, you know, and we've, wow, I don't know if they can we hear that. But, we, um, we could die. It's, it's storming pretty bad out there. Um, I really hope that our editor will just edit a bunch of shakiness when that happens. Um, but we think about the opposition that comes our way. We think about what happens, and it's nothing compared to what they faced. Right. And we have even a better opportunity of saying this is a chance for God to be among the people. Sure. And we don't. Many times we cave to that opposition. Y'all got anything you'd like to add to that? Well, here's our opposition. It's um, humiliation, awkwardness. Maybe we are disowned from our family. Maybe Maybe we lose a job. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Uh, Here's their opposition. It was being cast into a coliseum and being forced to fight in gladiator gladiator battles or Mm -hmm. torn apart by wild beasts, Uh, just terrible things. Uh, Crucifixions, Mm -hmm. uh, being lit on in the streets by yeah. Nero just to, to light up his streets and just right. horrible things being being uh, taken out of their houses and dragged through the streets. Even mm-hmm. Saul, who became Paul, was guilty of doing that for a while. All these sorts of things, not only at the hands of the Romans, but also like Saul, at the hands of the Jews as well. Mm-hmm. So much opposition for Christianity uh, because here here this new, new thing is, yeah. and it's... It's different than what those Jews were were used to, and and it's challenging their belief system, and and it created conflict. Yeah, yeah, and it shouldn't be such a difficult, you know, ask for us to put up with humiliation, awkwardness, being disowned. I mean, it really shouldn't be. We've all had moments though where we felt too awkward to say something. You know, I don't know if. You've ever experienced this or not, but like you ever gone and gotten a haircut and they don't do what you ask them to do and they say, how do you like it? What do you think? Mm. What do you tell them? Put it back. Like you can't, (laughs) you're stuck with it. So you just kind of say, it looks good, you know, and because what do you say in that moment? You messed it up and there's nothing you can do to fix it. (laughs) So you just kind of say, yeah, it's it's good. It'll work, you know, and and you pay for it and then you go, great. You know, we sometimes kind of approach Christianity that way where it's like, well, there must not be anything we can do about it. Now, if the person cutting your hair stops before they start and say, now, is this really what you want? And they could show you a picture of the final product, and you knew there's no way that that's it. It's not like you still have to go, yeah, that's good. You know, that's what I want. You know, perfect. You have a chance to correct it. Mm -hmm. We sometimes look at opposition as it's impossible to overcome it, and therefore when it comes our way, that awkwardness, you know, being rejected or disowned from a family member – to avoid all of that, let's just kind of go around it a right. little bit better and do it the other way. And that didn't happen in the New Testament by many people. I'm sure there were individuals that did not follow after Christ like they should have, and they denied him. We're told about, you know, Diotrephes mm-hmm. as being one who loved the present world and all of these types of things and being involved with, you know, Demas is the one I'm thinking of. Demas yeah, being right. the one that loved this present world, and he forsook Christ. Mm-hmm. We see that in examples in the New Testament, 
But we don't realize, it seems to me at least, that that's happening a lot in our churches today. Oh, yeah. yeah. Demas is very alive and well in our churches, and elderships, preachers, deacons, members are content to not say anything about it because we don't want to fight. Don't rock the boat. Yeah. 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 We're doing a great work. The contribution's thriving. Why would we do anything? Why would we change anything? And I think the most heartbreaking reality is too much of the church has become about the physical yep. and the monetary, and we don't realize that all of that's going to go away anyway. Yep. And what we're left with are the souls that we have basically damned along the way by saying we don't want to fight. It's kind of mm-hmm. like you know Paul in Corinthians. He's, he's saying, look, I, I want to talk to you spiritually, but you're still carnal. Yeah. Right. And uh, is that in chapter two, mm-hmm. I think? Yeah. And they and that's <clears throat> seeking those things which are above, mm-hmm. easier said than done for yeah. some. You yeah, know, right. and, and we've gotta we've gotta be able to set that right example. But you know, you mentioned Daniel. There's another example in the old testament, it's Nehemiah, right? Yeah. Trying to rebuild the walls, and yeah. you got Sam Ballot and all those guys saying, Hey, we're gonna tr- do everything we can. What a name, by the way. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Yeah. Which we're gonna do everything we can <laughs> so that you won't build yeah. These walls. We're trying to build something, you know, strong today. We're trying to to build and grow, help people's faith grow. And there's going to be opposition for that. Yeah. So we may not face it in the same way the first century, you know, with a sword to our throat. But like Chase mentioned, some of those things. But we do face opposition today for sure. But we can over if they can overcome it. Daniel, Nehemiah, those in the first century, Peter, James, Acts chapter four, being. You don't preach anymore in his name. Mm-hmm. They said we can't we can't help but to speak what we've seen and heard. We've got to have that same resolve yeah. so we can overcome it. So maybe our our opposition isn't so much persecution from the world mm-hmm. as it is distraction in the world. It's 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 not so much the physical pain that people cause right. us. Yeah. It's it's more just Letting it happen. Apathy. It's chapter 3. It's uh, chapter, chapter 3, three yeah. 1 Corinthians, verses 1 and following. And I, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able for, and then first part of verse 3, for you are still carnal. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that going around. Yeah, we've, we've got to be spiritually minded. Right. If we're If we're focused on the spiritual... It's that mindset of David in Psalm 3. I'm not afraid of 10,000 people who set themselves against me. Mm-hmm. Bring it on, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't fear a thing. You know, it's, it's we, you know, three of us on this panel have children um, today. Uh, Daniel's not yet married with children, <laughs> but um, maybe by the time this episode aired, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, that won't, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that won't happen. Um, but, you know, when we have our children that depend on daddy mm-hmm. for strength, yeah. when daddy's around, they're not, they're not scared, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really matter the circumstance. You know, I think about the, the storm we heard a few minutes ago. If my son was in this room right now, I would terrify him. Yeah. But what he would find comfort in is his dad, mm-hmm. right. his dad, his mom, whatever it might be. One of us could hold him and say, it's okay, it's going to be okay. If we look at God as that individual for us, that when we face something that is frightening to us, something that is going to be concerning, then we will be okay. And for the first century Christians, those that did that, they didn't struggle. Paul, I mean, you think about all of the opposition Paul faced in 2 Corinthians 11, Mm -hmm. even into chapter 12 with that thorn in the flesh that he had. And yet Paul's mindset is, when I'm weak, I'm strong. I I take pleasure in my infirmities. I'm excited to suffer. You know, and I don't meet many people. You know, if you find someone who, actually I met a woman just recently at a congregation I went and visited. She came up to me and she says, well, I got cancer. 
but I'm blessed. And I said, wow, um, that's that's impressive. I said, you have cancer? She says, I go get chemo every day. And people say, you don't have cancer. And and I said, well, you know, well, that's wonderful that you're able to handle it. She goes, well, it hurts, but, you know, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. All I can do is go and do the treatments. How many people are actually living out the Beatitudes? Yeah. Blessed yeah. are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst after mm-hmm. righteousness, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and it's not that you ask for opposition, but you almost, in a way, embrace it because you know, like Paul, yeah. this is an opportunity, number one, to have my faith strengthened, but also to help encourage others. Like yeah. with that woman there, yeah. man, what an example that that sets. I think the way that we handle opposition goes a long way, uh, not only for our own faith being strengthened, but other people seeing it. Mm. Well, it seems like we're our own worst enemy many times. Yeah. You know, it seems like if... If I can trip over my own feet, you know, I'm going to find a way to do it, even if I'm sitting down. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll still find a way to trip. Yeah, that's impressive, man. And that's the point. You know, you think, how can we continue to get in our own way? Yeah. But we are our own worst enemy. And the devil knows that. And the oh, devil yeah. knows that about the first century church, too. I mean, you, you think about the churches of Asia that we read about in Revelation, that mm-hmm. many of them were given a report that was not pleasant, that wasn't good. And some were, but the you know some of those individuals like Ephesus and Laodicea, they're gone. Yep. They're off the face of the earth. They're, they don't exist anymore. And I used to read the church at Ephesus throughout the New Testament and think, this church must have been on fire for God. They must be a, a wonderful standard. They have an entire book written to them about the, you know being soldiers of Christ and all of these kinds of things. And they died because of the opposition that they faced, which was their lack of love for right. doing the work of the church, Revelation mm-hmm. 2. And I can't help but think about our own churches and think how many of us are putting our own, you know, selves in opposition with Christ, and we don't even realize that if I fight with God or fight with the church, fight with salvation, whatever, I'm fighting with the Lord. Right. I'm not just fighting some, you know, group of people. I'm fighting deity. Mm -hmm. And the Israelites weren't known for their prowess in war. They weren't known for being a very amazing world power in the sense of their ability but Israel was the greatest world power this world has ever seen right? because they could never be beaten when God was on their side. That's right. But when they got in their own way, they couldn't hope to win. Yeah. And so despite opposition that comes our way, they faced opposition, but a lot of times it seems to be our own opposition. Right. Good point. And so as we think about this other question we've got here, is there always going to be opposition? You know, I, I, I think about when I was growing up, and I used to play these video games, football games. They used to have storylines. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, they disappeared. And then Madden brought them back, and they had a storyline where you're you're in a college, and you're playing. This kid has a heart condition, and then he can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. So you play. He's a wide receiver. And then randomly, out of nowhere, he walks up to you and goes, I'm taking my starting job back. <laughs> and now you're you know, opposite sides of it again. You're trying to battle for the quarterback job. And everybody hated that storyline because it made no sense. You were friends literally two seconds ago, and then he goes, by the way, I'm coming back for my job. And it's like they just felt like there needed to be some type of opposition, so they just threw something in there. Well, is there always going to be opposition? Are we always going to wake up in the morning and, and see the type of stuff that we're seeing right now on social media that we've seen the last couple of years? Is it always the case that opposition remains? Yes. I'd say Yes. Yes. For sure. <laughs> because Satan, you know, he's First Peter 5, 8, 9. He is actively roaming around this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been doing it for a very long time. He's been very successful. Uh, but you think about just the name, Satan, right, the adversary. He is our opponent. He's the one that brings the opposition. Uh, Job chapters 1 and 2, you learn a lot about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's relentless in his attacks. He tries to get Job 
every which way he can. Uh, even gets his own wife to turn against him, which I believe that might be why he <laughs> let her live, just to see if he can, she can bring him down. Yeah. Satan is he's he John ten ten, the thief to steal, kill, and destroy. And mm-hmm. as long as he's you know the god of this age in the sense that he's roaming around, there's always going to be opposition because he wants to see us fail mm. as God's people. He was a liar from the beginning. That's right. And he's in opposition to the truth. Well, sure. when you think about it, Christianity is, is an exclusive religion. It makes truth claims that if they are true, then nothing else can be true mm-hmm. on this ultimate cosmic scale, right? It says that there is a God, that God created the universe, he gave us the Bible, and in the Bible we have these truth claims. Yeah. And if they are true, then everything else is false in terms of like a meta narrative over reality, right? So when you have something like that, when you have a, a system set up like that, there's always going to be opposition. Mm-hmm. There are always going to be people who feel excluded from that exclusive religion, that exclusive system. Right. And so they're necessarily going to be up, be opposed to it. Okay. So, I mean, it just necessarily inherent within Christianity. Right. There's always going to be opposition. Well, yeah, I mean, and John tells us that our very existence, you know, warrants challenge from yeah. the world. Right. You know, the world hated Christ. We exist to serve Christ. Mm-hmm. So we can't be surprised when the world hates us. And in fact, you know, the statement really could be made a little bit better. If the world likes you, mm. you have a problem. Yeah. If the world thinks of you as its friend, yeah. you have an issue because we can't be friends with the world and friends with God. Right. I feel like that's a Bible verse somewhere, don't you think? <laughs> that's it, and you, you look at all of the stuff that James is talking about mm-hmm. there, and he talks about fleeing from the devil and drawing yeah. near to God. Exactly. And looking that, you know, mindset over and saying, I don't want the world to like me. Right. You know, I, I told someone, you know, once when I was coaching their kid, they said, well, you should do it this way. Said, I'm not. And they were upset about that. They said, well, that's my kid. And I said, I'm the coach. I don't have to go. do it your way. <laughs> and they're like, well, I don't like that. I'm like, I don't care. I mean, if you have a problem with it, you can go talk to the director. Right. I'll be happy to talk with them. But my job is to try to coach this team to the best of my ability as I see their talent on the field. It's not to listen to parents. It's not to listen to outside people. Mm-hmm. It's to look at what's in front of me and coach and do there the best go. I can. That's it. I don't have to worry about making sure that every parent likes me or that everybody is okay with me. And that's the same with Christianity. Sure. I don't care if people don't like me. I mean, if if I cared about that, I would need to be in a completely different profession. Right. Because like we said, our very existence as Christians demands challenge and opposition. Luke mm. six twenty six says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Mm. Yeah. And for so did their fathers uh, to the false prophets. If you go back to Isaiah 30, Verses 9 through 11, it says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Go ahead. I was just going to say, to push back kind of and ask you guys a question. So as I'm, I was listening, and y'all are making great biblical points, but I, I came, what came to mind for me was one of the qualifications of elders, which is to have a good report from those without, so to have a good reputation in the community, that kind of thing. Then you have early in the book of Acts, they had um, they, they found favor with all the people. Right. So we have different passages like that. So how do we work with this tension, with this, this balance of what we've been talking about, which is, you know, if everybody speaks well of you, mm-hmm. there's probably a problem. But then also, 
we want to have a good reputation. We want to mm-hmm. treat everybody kindly, sure. that kind of thing. So how do, how do we work through that? Well, think about Galatians 1.10. comes to mind with Paul. Mm. He said, if I seek to please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Yeah. Not everybody like Paul, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, he made those changes and said, listen, I'm doing this because I'm a servant of the Lord. People are not going to like me. People are going to hold my past against me. I'm sure he lived through that every day. But our mentality is, I'm here to serve God. I'm here to serve the Lord. People may not like that. People are going to oppose that because that's, like you said earlier, that standard of righteousness, the wickedness will always oppose it. And look at Jesus. I mean, you're not going to get him more perfect than that. And people hated him. They said crucify him. Uh, that hatred is what led him to the cross. And so amazing to consider the statement that Jesus made, I came not to, you know, to bring peace but a sword. Mm, yeah. Sometimes people aren't going to like us, but right. at the end of the day, like Michael said, you, you got to serve God, and that's, that needs to be number one. Acts uh, 2.47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people yeah, right. and the right. added to the church daily. The key is, what kind of favor are you seeking, though? These Christians mm. were seeking the favor that was going to benefit them in furthering the gospel. Right. It wasn't mm-hmm. just, well, we, everybody loves us. Exactly. No, it was, hey, we're trying to get to know people and and further the gospel through getting to know people and, and achieving that kind of favor. Yeah, and I think about that too with people that we know that are not Christians. They are not going to agree with certain things that we say. I can call certain people that I know pretty well, and we can talk about politics, we can talk about religion, we can talk about abortion, about homosexuality, about whatever, and we vehemently disagree on things. I mean, it's like, it, and it, it sometimes can get to a point where it's like, you know, maybe we should stop talking for a little while and we come back, you know, when, <laughs> when things have calmed down because both of us seem to be getting worked up. But both of us would say about the other, they're a good person. They're, right. a, good, they're, they're a good individual. We love yeah. them. We appreciate them. And I think that's really what's being talked about is, you know, there, there has to be opposition between doctrine when it comes to false doctrine and the doctrine that's true. And that's exactly what we find with, you know, Peter being withstood to the face. And yet most people, if they if you ask them about Peter as an overall apostle, they're going to make the statement that he was a good apostle. Right. He was a good man. So favor with God and with the men of people is the same thing that's said about Jesus, you know, in Luke right. 2.52. Mm-hmm. He grew in stature and wisdom and favor with God and man. Right. Well, Jesus was also hated by many men right. that wanted to see him dead because of what he taught. And I think that's the difference of when we teach something that the world doesn't want to hear, it hates it. Right. And so we will always be in opposition on that. But we should be able to be seen as, you know, peaceable people, as good people, so that we can Serving. help. Right. So that when we do say those things, you know, it's kind of like when local work, you're told, hey, maybe before you preach the really hard sermons, you kind of build up to that. You learn right. the congregation because then when you get the baseball bat out, nobody thinks of them, you know, those sermons in the way of, hey, he's trying to hurt us. It's, He's trying to help he us. us. Right. You know, yeah, he's bringing the hammer down, as we sometimes say. He's stepping on my toes, but right. not because he just feels like stepping and stomping. He's just trying to help. Right. And I think that's the mindset that we, we seek to have. Um, when that, it's kind of along those same lines as our last question here of scattering the sea without compromising on Christianity mm. when we face this opposition. Because if someone says, and I'd like to take this even from the sense of local work, because I don't believe any of us have faced this, and I, I pray that we never do. But there have been elderships that have come to people before and said, don't preach on that. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, we don't want it. It's going to hurt the contribution. It's going to hurt the uh, – We stop. Don't preach on it. And if you do, you're gone. How do we handle not compromising on Christianity when it comes to 
preaching the truth when we're told to not preach the truth? How do you how do you go about that? Because your job's on the line. I think just like Daniel purposed in his heart that you talked about earlier. Right. We've got to have our minds made up long before anything ever happens that, hey, we're going to stick to our guns. We're going to stick to the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad used to always ask me and my siblings growing up, if somebody were to put a gun to your head and say, are you a Christian? What are you going to tell them? If you say no, what happens if they shoot you anyway and yeah. you just denied Christ? Yeah. You've got to make up your mind before anything like that ever happens that you're going to confess Christ to the end, even if it costs you your life. And I think that's the same with any kind of opposition that we might face. We've got a purpose in our heart to do the right thing. Well, another verse that comes to mind is Ezra 7.10. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach it. If you're going to be a gospel preacher, you have to do the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with the truth. I'm going to stick with God's word. I'm going to preach it. You know, we don't the the the, the challenge, the command in Second Timothy four two doesn't say preach about the word or preach the word only when it's convenient for everybody or right. preach only the the you know don't preach the hot button issues. Mm-hmm. It just says preach the word. Well, it's like Acts four twenty. We we cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. Right. That was the disciples' message: is we're only going to preach what we have witnessed. Mm-hmm. And what I witness when I read the Bible is this is the truth. And That's if it. if I'm told not to preach it. I would probably lovingly tell the congregation, you know, I think I need to find a new place to preach right. if that's the case, you know, yep. or do what we always have heard and, and preach one of those moving sermons and preach it anyway <laughs> and then right. know that my bags better be packed because right. i got to get out of there. But, right. um, guys, I really appreciate it. Do you all have anything else you want to add before we close, close out the program? I'll just say our ultimate submission is to God and not to man. Mm-hmm. We've got to keep that in mind, and, and that will help us face opposition. All right. Well, we really thank you so much for being with us today on the Scattered Abroad Network on our joint podcast. Again, you can look at all of our show notes below to find out all of our information, email address, everything. Don't forget about our shows that air every day of the week. And from all of us here at the Scattered Abroad Network, we want to thank you so much and God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network. And we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.